When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Future. We're talking real money. Hello and welcome to Talking Real Money, the Friday edition. I'm Don McDonald. Friday edition means it's QA day. You've got Q's, I've got A's, and this is the day upon which or on which we do those Q's and A's. So uh, the couple ways to send in your Q's so you can get my A's. And one of the ways is to go to talkingrealmoney.com and click on the contact form. There you can type up questions. It takes a while longer to get those answered. You can speak your questions um, and record them. And then I usually get those within a couple of weeks unless we're in a crazy, crazy time. And uh, then the last way is to call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, and record those questions. And we usually use those when we're doing the live show on Saturdays and mix those in with calls that come in live when we're on the radio in the Seattle area from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And you can look that up. Just look up Northwest News Radio anywhere on the web, and you can listen to it live, or you can go to their uh, uh, their website. Or you can go to... Hey, even easier, go to TalkingRealMoney.com. I've got a button you can punch to listen to it live. So there you have it. That's how you get in touch with us. That's how you get your money questions answered because that's what the show is all about because it's called Talking Real Money. And let's get started with our first call, <laughs> air quotes. This one came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Good day, Tom and Don. This is Brian from Tacoma. I had a thought that I wanted to share with you, and you may have had this thought as well, but I want to get your feedback. A caller a few episodes ago had mentioned about using the family's landscaping company in order to create a Form 1099 for their child to show some sort of earned income so that that child could have a Roth IRA opened in their name, in the child's name. And I believe there's a little bit of discussion on rather... This is a little bit of a gray area, if, there were, if this was ethical or not, and that type of thing. And um, here's kind of my thought I had. Uh, if the goal is for this child to have a Roth early on, to me, it just seems way easier to open up a 529 plan for the child because of that Secure Act 2.0, the 529 plan can be converted to a Roth later on if needed. The reason I think this is a better way to go either way is... First of all, there's a lot of good low 529 expenses plans. Uh, I use my 529 with Utah. But as we also discovered not that long ago, you can open up a 529 with Vanguard or Charles Schwab directly and create your own 529 that way. So it's awesome because now you can use it for what it's intended as educational purposes if that's what your child ends up doing. And as we all know, we don't really know what our child is going to do when they're older. We hope they get a good education, but some of them may not need it or they have full-on scholarships and don't need that 529 money. 
So just plan on rolling it into a Roth, and by then they most likely have earned income, so it shouldn't be that hard to roll over the annual amount per year into a Roth because they actually have earned income. So to me, it just seems a lot better. And then one more thing I want to hear from you guys is I believe you can actually start with a lump sum in a year on a 529, and I believe for 2023 that max is 85000 And I'm assuming if a family has that kind of money, statistically they have a better chance of getting a greater return doing one lump sum early on versus dollar cost averaging, which you would have to do with the Roth with the smaller amounts of maxes per year. So anyhow, want to know what your thoughts are on that. Sorry, this is a long recording, but uh, appreciate what you guys do. And hopefully this might help clear up for people that are trying to finagle their way or figure out how to open up a Roth when their kid's young, when they can just do a 529, which might be a lot easier route to go. Thanks. All right. Well, today um, you're pretty much my my co-host, Brian. That was a, that was actually a lot of really good advice. Uh, the whole thing about uh, using 529s to possibly in the future fund a Roth, great stuff. Uh, because, well, it, it meant many cases the kids may not go to college, and this is get some retirement started. In fact, we ran the numbers once, and in some cases, it might be better if the kids just use all the 529 money and put it in a Roth up to 35000 uh, and you're right about the big lump sum, although I can't imagine too many families that can do 80000 plus in a year, or even the, what is it, 17 per person per year right now? I think, is it 17? Pretty sure. Uh, but great advice, great information, Brian. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for listening. And let's go to our next one. Hello, Tom and Don. Uh, quick question for you. My wife works for a small business that has a SEP IRA set up with a small match. That's all nice. Um, Problem is that it's with a brokerage company with the big bull as their emblem. Um, They have her in in some crazy stuff and the fees are pretty high. So um, looking around on the interwebs, um, it appears to me that in a SEP IRA, I can transfer that money um, trustee to trustee to Vanguard for her traditional IRA. And I think I can do that once a year. My question really is, can I do that while she's working? And could I just do this every year, once a year? Um, and is there any other little rules or gotchas that I'm, I'm missing in this equation? So uh, thanks for everything you guys do. Appreciate the show. Thank you. Well, I don't believe there are any federal rules that would preclude you from doing that, but I'd be willing to bet your employer won't let you. Um, I can't imagine, but you could certainly ask them if you can do an in-service transfer. Uh, But again, I don't think federal rules, I know that you can do in-service withdrawals from SEPs for a variety of reasons. Um, so again, I'm, I'm not real sure. I think this is a question for your employer and you might want, or your wife's employer, I should say, sorry. You might want to have your wife's talk to her employer about possibly getting a less expensive plan with better options, because not only would it help her, but it would help the owner of the company too, because I'm sure they're a heavy participant in this SEP IRA. And I bet they don't even know that their Merrill broker is uh, costing them more money than they really need to be paying for products 
that aren't that great anyway in most cases. So uh, might be a way to go. But thanks for the call. I do appreciate it. Give us a call at 855-935-TALK anytime. Leave your questions there or just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and do it like this. Hi, this is James from Virginia. Uh, Long story short is I have a medical practice that I was looking to buy a commercial space for. Currently, I'm leasing. Um, Me and my realtors looked for a couple years and uh, did not really find anything in the area that was attractive to me. So I eventually told them I'm going to call it quits for now, put it on the back burner, and I'll renew my lease. And then, you know, five years down the road, uh, we'll be looking again. Because of that, I took all the money that I was saving for that and put it into the stock market, uh, knowing I would have at least uh, five years before I would need to touch it. Uh, Of course, uh, you know, a few months after I did that, uh, a commercial space became available. Uh, That's just the timing of real estate, I guess. Um, So my question is, would you ever consider doing um, margin uh, loans, marginal loans off of your taxable account for a situation like this? Obviously, we don't know the future of where the stock market is going, but it was down quite a bit last year. So I feel like there is a, a, you know, a great chance that I'll miss a lot of that upswing eventually. Uh, And if it would be worth that or if I should just kind of liquidate it now, knowing that I don't have that much taxable gains, maybe a a few thousand right now um, and put it towards the down payment. Thanks. (laughs) That's what happens. Just when you're done, a deal comes along. Um, Margin rates exceed 5%. And they really aren't meant as a long-term borrowing method. They they shouldn't be used as such. Sure, the odds are in your favor based on history. It's not likely that the market will stay down for an extended period of time, but it really depends on how much you need, how much, how much leverage you're going to take. Because if the market continues to decline, you could get margin calls. You have to put money into the account if the value of your stocks fall too low. Uh, given the fact that that money was originally designated for this purpose and the fact that you haven't had a huge loss or a gain, you said you're not going to have a big tax bill, uh, you're not really hurt, I don't think I'd borrow against it. I really don't. I think I would use the money for its intended purpose, put it into the real estate. It's going to save you all of that rent which is a return on your investment, a pretty substantial one. So you've got to factor that in. And uh, my guess is that's some pretty decent money. So I wouldn't play this uh, this two birds in the bush deal because we don't know how long those two birds will take to uh, come to fruition. So I, I, I'd not, I would not margin. No, I would not. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it or the question. Again, send your questions in or uh, record them at TalkingRealMoney.com. Hello, I'm a 65-year-old retired school teacher with a decent pension, and I'm waiting until 70 to collect Social Security. I have uh, several traditional IRAs and, and also a Roth IRA, um, and I also have hodgepodgeitis, but a healthy risk tolerance. This is what I'm considering doing. Um, 70% VT. 20% B and D W and 10% V B R. Tell me how you feel about dividing the pie up that way. 
Thank you. Well, that seems to be a portfolio for someone with a relatively high risk tolerance. It's more aggressive than I'd be and uh, at a very similar age. But um, is it overly aggressive? Again, not if you're in a situation where, one, you have a healthy risk tolerance, and two, this money is not needed for an extended period of time. If your pension is enough to support you now, and then you're adding Social Security in five years, and that's going to make you even more comfortable, and this money can ride through the ups and downs of the market, then it seems like a very appropriate mix because it's massively, past massively diversified, incredibly well diversified, exceptionally low fees. Um, In fact, I don't think you could get much more diversified, maybe a little bit, but not much. So no, I would not be opposed again, as long as your risk profile works with it. You don't need the money. You will be patient. And that's, that's, that's a difficult psychological evaluation to make about ourselves. If if you were heavily invested in stocks coming up to 2008 and throughout 2008, you never once thought I should get out and get back in, then this should be fine for you. Thank you so much for your question. I appreciate it. And if you have a question, give us a call, 855-935-TALK or uh, just record it at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Hey guys, thanks for all you do. I have a question. I'm semi-retired, but still trying to build retirement by working part-time as self-employed. My question is, if you are older than 50 and have a 30000 annual income after expenses, could you contribute all 30000 to a Roth solo 401k and still max out the Roth IRA at 7500 or would you have to have 37,500 annual income to do so? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Good try. Good try. Uh, but no, you can't. You can never contribute more than your earned income to a qualified retirement plan like a, a an IRA or a Roth 401k. Uh, but come on, you get a $30,000 contribution with the catch up with the, in 2023. So you, you can't put more money into an IRA or a 401k than you've earned. It is all about earned income. And I mean, even if you had income from other sources, if it wasn't earned income, you couldn't fund an IRA with it. I'm sorry, but Good job getting a huge, huge uh, Roth IRA every year. Just put the other money. If you have extra money that you want to invest, you can get a great tax deferral by just opening a brokerage account and putting a bunch of money into a growth-oriented exchange-traded fund, Uh, one that doesn't distribute a lot of dividends, and you won't get any capital gains distribution, so you get tax deferral. And then when you take the money out, it's taxed at whatever the capital gains rate is, not the income rate, which is a regular IRA. Of course, Roth is free. It's not as good as Roth, but it's pretty good. Thank you so much for your question. And let's see. Yeah, let's do one more. I think I have time for one more today. Hello, guys. Mike from New Mexico. Always look forward to your podcast. I wish I would have listened to someone like you when I was 25. 
My bond question is this. You explain the need for a well-diversified, low-fee equity portfolio and support it with a historical review. This makes a lot of sense to me. I have a 60-40 equity to bond ratio. Do you have a similar historical review with a well-diversified bond portfolio? I realize bonds are primarily in a portfolio to mitigate the risk. I have the following bonds weighted the same. VBTLX Vanguard Total Bond, VTABX Vanguard Total International Bond, VGSH Vanguard Short-Term Treasury, VTIP Vanguard Short-Term Inflation Protective, and SPDR Intermediate Term Treasury. Historically, does a diversified group of bonds give you some extra benefit when you consider yield and risk, similar to a well-diversified equity position? Or should I just keep it simple with something like a total bond market, VTB? Again, thanks for your help. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. I wish there was someone doing what we did when I was young, but nobody did. There was no information like this. None. Didn't exist. There is a law of diminishing returns when it comes to diversification. It is, in fact, for let's do stocks. If you have a total market index and then you add some small cap value just to slightly overweight that, uh, maybe a little real estate, you're pretty covered. You've covered almost all of the equity universe so that adding a another small cap or adding a uh, mid cap fund or adding another S&P 500 fund. None none of those are going to add diversification. Your diversification is maxed out and you're beyond maxed out with your bonds beyond. Uh, You've got inflation protection with your tips, but you could just have the Vanguard total bond index or the, the combination of the total U.S. and the total international, or just make it easier and go with BNDW, the, the worldwide bond fund, and you would pretty much have diversification covered across the board, across the board, with the exception of, like, junk. And you don't want junk because junk acts like stocks. So there's no point. You've got way too much. This is diversification overkill. So pare it back a little bit. It's too many things to keep track of, too. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the question. Thank you all for being a part of the podcast. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you. We truly, truly do. Without you, we wouldn't be doing this, and we love doing it. Both Tom and I love doing this. And remember, every Saturday, you can participate with us live. I don't care where you are. You can listen live. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and listen in. But you can also call us live as opposed to recording questions at 855-935-TALK. It's the same number. We just switch it over to take calls live for two hours on Saturday between the hours of 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific time. And if you need more help than we can give you on the show, go to TalkingRealMoney.com and meet with one of our advisors. It's free. There's no obligation. And I promise, no sales pitch. We don't do that. Thanks again for being there. I'm Don. Tom and I will be hanging out again tomorrow. Well, on Saturday, because <laughs> I don't know when you listen to this. We'll be there on Saturday talking real money. 
hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.